Good Tuesday morning. We're following major developments overnight in the manhunt for a convicted killer. A new sighting and a new chase. It is September the 12th. This is Today. Armed and dangerous, that escaped inmate on the run for nearly two weeks, spotted in a residential neighborhood outside of Philadelphia. Police now saying it appears he has obtained a weapon. Subject known to have a 22 cutoff rifle with a scope and a flashlight. And where they're alive as the manhunt intensifies this morning. Major storms, heavy rain triggering dangerous flooding across the Northeast, while much of the East Coast on alert for the potential impact of Hurricane Lee growing in size and churning in the Atlantic as a powerful Category 3 storm. The full forecast just ahead. Train spotting. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un arrives in Russia overnight for face-to-face -face talks with Vladimir Putin. Their meeting set to focus on the war in Ukraine and being closely watched by Washington. We'll have the very latest. Shot in the arm, the FDA signs off on an updated COVID booster. With cases inching higher nationwide and kids back to school, what you need to know. All of that plus remarkable rescue. The American explorer trapped for days in one of the deepest caves in the world, finally freed. It is amazing to be above ground again. Inside his harrowing ordeal and how he's doing when his friend joins us live. Today, Tuesday, September 12, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to today. So glad to have you with us this morning. It's a Tuesday morning. Let's start this morning with the breaking news overnight in the search for escaped convict Danilo Cavalcante. Yeah, he's now been on the run 13 days and police are warning he now appears to be armed and they are pursuing him in a new area. It's about 10 miles northwest of where he was spotted on Sunday after changing his appearance. Police adding it's more heavily populated than previous sightings, urging residents there to stay inside, lock all their doors and windows. NBC's George Solis has been covering the manhunt from the beginning. George, good morning. Hoda, good morning. Police here at the command post during a press conference confirming that Cavalcante is now armed and dangerous, saying he entered the home of a resident in this new search area and stole a rifle, a 22. That homeowner firing shots at Cavalcante but failed to strike the fugitive. This morning, a new sighting of convicted killer Daniello Cavalcante, police say, now has a weapon. Overnight, state police chasing the escaped convict in South Coventry Township, Pennsylvania where police have told residents to remain inside and lock doors and windows, saying, quote, Cavalcante is armed with a weapon. Scanner audio appearing to describe a sighting. Hispanic male, roughly 30 years of age, 5 foot, currently shirtless and blue pants. Subjects known to have a 22 cutoff rifle with a scope and a flashlight. I know this is an extremely stressful time for the community. Volcante now entering its 13th day with nearly 300 officers and multiple agencies on the ground. We live in the very, very nice area where we don't lock anything, so it's, it's been really crazy. After his dramatic escape from the Chester County Prison, after multiple sightings in the area, police say he has now changed his appearance. And that Cavalcante has tried to reach out to others, including a former co-worker, where he was caught on camera. Police say video, not yet released, shows Cavalcante speaking Portuguese. Authorities characterizing his demeanor as urgent but friendly and someone clearly looking for help. We will ultimately capture him 
he doesn't have what he needs to, to uh, last long term. Super quiet guy, really shy. Franco Rosa used to live with Cavalcante. They were roommates until Rosa says he moved out the day before Cavalcante murdered his ex-girlfriend, Deborah Brandau. Unaware, he was also wanted for a prior homicide in Brazil. Has he made any attempt to reach out to you? No, no nothing at all. Um, and I hope he won't do it, and if he does, I'll call the police right away. Immigration officials have detained the fugitive sister. Authorities not saying if she's helped her brother since his escape from the Chester County Prison and issuing this stern warning to anyone thinking about assisting the desperate fugitive. We will prosecute you fully for those actions. Authorities also saying that in that search area, they found some footprints that matched the same boots that Cavalcante was wearing at the time of his escape. They then found and reported some missing work boots around that same 8 to 10 mile perimeter that authorities have now set up. There are now upwards of 500 members of law enforcement in this area. State, local and federal agencies, including the FBI and Custom and Border Patrol Protection Authorities still believe that Cavalcante is not only here in Pennsylvania, but still within Chester County. Authorities also believe that he may be looking to steal another car. They are urging the public to make sure they lock all doors and stay vigilant. Hoda. George Solis Forest there in Pennsylvania. George, thank you. The cleanup is underway in parts of New England this morning after severe flash flooding across that region last night. State of emergency was declared in Leominster, Massachusetts, the area getting hit with nearly nine inches of rain. Officials say many vehicles were stuck in the floodwaters. Several people had to be rescued. It was more of the same in Rhode Island and parts of Connecticut. All comes as Hurricane Lee creeps closer to the East Coast. Dylan Sinfrau tracking that powerful storm. Dylan, did I say the name of the Massachusetts taunt? You're our only because I worked in Massachusetts. So how do we say it? Lemonster. Lemonster. Yes, but it's not spelled anything like that. By like any most places <laughs> in Massachusetts. <laughs> yes. So uh, we are keeping an eye on Hurricane Lee. And with all the rain that we saw up and down the East Coast yesterday, the last thing we need is a hurricane. And the good news is it doesn't look like we are going to get a direct hit, but we will still see the impacts. Right now, the storm itself is 575 miles south of Bermuda. Winds are at 115 miles per hour. So it is a Category 3 storm. And it's moving to the northwest. It is still on track to pass between Bermuda and the east coast of the United States. However, look at how far it stays out over the Atlantic. By the time we get to Sunday, overnight Saturday into Sunday morning, this will weaken and should impact Nova Scotia. But all weekend long, up and down the east coast, we are going to see very rough surf and dangerous rip currents. So keep that in mind if you are along the beaches up and down the east coast, even up into New England as we go through this weekend. In fact, for the next seven days, the waters will be fairly dangerous. Hoda. All right, Dylan, uh, thank you. Breaking overnight, North Korea's Kim Jong-un arrived in Russia ahead of a closely watched meeting with Vladimir Putin. Those two leaders expected to discuss potential arms deal in support of Moscow's war in Ukraine. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel joins us now from Ukraine. He's got the very latest on this. Hey, Richard, good morning. Good morning. This is Kim Jong-un's first known international trip in the last four years. Uh, he has crossed into the far east of Russia. It is already evening there. And he could meet with Vladimir Putin as early as tomorrow at a missile la launch facility. North Korean state television showed Kim Jong-un waving to top government and military officials as he left Pyongyang on his bulletproof train for Russia. And he has good reason to be smiling. As the slow-moving train crossed the Russian border, Kim is finally feeling needed, courted by President Vladimir Putin. Two of the leaders America is most wary of are coming together. 
Putin, attending an economic forum in the eastern city of Vladivostok, is expected to greet Kim with the full honors of a state visit. A new model of mutual relations and integration is being born, but not on a basis of Western standards, Putin said. There's a more practical reason for the rare summit, too. North Korea produces artillery and missiles, which it aims at South Korea, a close U.S. ally. But since the two Koreas haven't fought a war in decades, the North has vast stockpiles of the weapons, which Putin needs now to fend off Ukraine's American-backed counteroffensive. I think the fact that Russia is ha- having to beg North Korea for military support speaks to the effectiveness of our sanctions. The weapons transfer would be a violation of international sanctions. But for two states already under sanctions, that could be little deterrent. Deals are already in motion. Putin's defense minister was in Pyongyang in July to discuss an arms trade. A top Chinese Communist Party member joined the Russian defense minister at a military parade. It's unclear what Putin would give Kim in return, but it's expected to include food and support for North Korea's advanced weapon systems. Kim just oversaw the launch of what North Korea called its first tactical nuclear attack submarine. Putin's desire to continue his war here in Ukraine is bringing together Russia, China, and now North Korea. Hoda. All right, Richard Engel for us there. Richard, thank you. The Biden administration has cleared the way for the release of five American citizens detained in Iran. In exchange, the U.S. will give Tehran access to $6 billion that had been blocked by U.S. sanctions. Lester Holt sat down with Iran's president in Tehran for an exclusive interview this morning. He spoke to the president using a government translator. We can say that it should be be done in due time. The arrangements have been done and the final action of swapping the prisoners should be finalized in the due time. Are they healthy? Are they well? Yes, they are very healthy. And according to our latest information, they are in full health. In addition, as part of that deal, the Biden administration has agreed to release five Iranian citizens held in the United States. You can see more of Lester's exclusive interview with Iran's president. That'll be tonight on Nightly News. Meantime, the death toll in Morocco is climbing even higher days after that country's most powerful earthquake in more than a century. Crews racing against time to find survivors in the rubble. NBC's Rolf Sanchez is right there for us. Rolf, good morning. What's the latest you know? Hoda, good morning. We are now in the fourth day of this massive search operation. And all across the region, rescuers are facing just a sea of rubble like this. Locals tell us a family of four died in this house. And you can see back there, there is their fridge. Over this way, it looks like this was a lamp, a satellite dish. And Hoda, crucially, you can see that this house was made out of cinder blocks held together with a little bit of concrete. And that is consistent with what we have seen all across this region, that it was the homes of the poorest people that came crumbling down in this earthquake. Now, the death toll is at 2,800 and climbing. And for those who are missing loved ones, they are praying that there will still be more rescues. But with every passing hour, hope is fading. And we are hearing from remote mountain communities that help has been painfully slow in arriving. In some communities, they have been digging for days now with their bare hands, trying to save the lives of their neighbors, of 
of their family members. And there are questions about whether Morocco should have accepted more international aid. There is a small U.S. team on the ground here, but there has not yet been an agreement for a larger American deployment. Hoda. Such desperate times. All right. Raf Sanchez for us in Morocco. Raf, thank you. MGM resorts and casinos across the country are recovering this morning from a cybersecurity incident that disrupted services over the past couple of days. Guests and visitors taking to social media to report malfunctioning digital room keys, slot and gaming machines offline, ATM machines also down. In a statement last night, the company said the issue was ongoing, but that its casino and gaming floors were now operational. All right, a lot more to get to. All right, let's go back to Dylan, get a check of the weather. Good morning again, guys. Yeah, the rain was certainly interesting yesterday. There was actually that uh, potential for a delay right at the beginning of the game because of those storms uh, out in New York City. But today we're looking for some afternoon storms, mostly interior northeast today, also stretching down into the southeast. And some of these storms could produce some heavy rainfall, considering just how humid and muggy it is. But then you go back behind this cold front and it cools out. The humidity will wipe out with this series of cold fronts that'll make it feel more fall-like. In fact, parts of uh, the upper Midwest will be down into the 50s for high temperatures. We also have a small chance of a flood risk out in the Southwest with some pockets of heavy rain there too. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dilly Dilly. Thank you. Still ahead, we'll take you inside the successful ending to that dramatic and challenging cave rescue. We've been following this one for a few days. Kelly Kobiea has the story. Yeah, good morning. American researcher Mark Dickey now back above ground and talking about his experience, saying it was the closest to death he's ever been. I'll have more on what he had to say about what he called his crazy, crazy adventure. Guys? All right, Kelly, look forward to that. Plus, COVID concerns growing once again. Cases are on the rise. The FDA has just approved an updated booster. We'll break everything down that you need to know. But first, this is today on NBC. Remember that kitchen? How could we forget? Yeah. Brady Bunch. For those of us of a certain yes. age, I mean, this is iconic. Well, nearly 50 years after its finale, the home that served as the backdrop for the Brady Bunch has been renovated and recently sold. But guess what? For much, much less than the oh, folks how? who did this were hoping for. Oh. I guess that 70s chic didn't fly off the, <laughs> fly off the block like they had hoped. Sad corporating. Sad corporating only gets you so I mean, I guess. Nostalgia. Well, yeah. Doesn't go for what it used to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, first up, though, in this half hour, the successful ending to that complex, days-long rescue operation of an American who suffered a medical emergency in one of the deepest caves in the world. Well, he reached the surface late yesterday and is now being monitored by doctors. We're going to talk to his longtime friend in just a moment. But first, NBC's Kelly Cobiea joins us now with the very latest. Hey, Kel, good morning. Hey, good morning to you. Yeah, just incredible the way rescuers really worked around the clock for three days to finally end this ordeal for Mark Dickey. The elite cave explorer was carried to the surface 37 minutes after midnight local time. This morning, a successful end to an extraordinary rescue. Mark Dickey giving a thumbs up and a smile as he was hoisted to safety overnight. It is amazing to be above ground again. I was underground for far longer than ever expected. This morning, posting a selfie from intensive care, thanking his rescuers, saying it was a scary experience and the closest to death I've been yet. The elite cave explorer and researcher was on an international expedition of the Morca Cave, Turkey's third deepest, 
When he suddenly became seriously ill with internal bleeding, 3,000 feet underground. I kept throwing up blood. Um, and then my consciousness started to like get harder to hold on to. And I reached the point that I was like, I'm not going to live. The only way out, a 15-hour climb. A medical team climbed down, giving Dickie blood transfusions. And on Saturday, rescuers started the delicate climb out with Dickie strapped to a stretcher. His body swinging on the pulley system for the final few feet to the surface. The rescuers, more than 150 from around the world, now celebrating. Seeing that he was well made me happy, and I let myself go, and I cried a little. His parents releasing an emotional statement saying the rescue is indescribably relieving and fills us with incredible joy, adding, all that has been done for our son means and will always mean so very much to us. By his side was his fiance Jessica Van Ord, who climbed nearly half a mile for help. I gotta tell you, I don't know what to say. This is this is overwhelming. <laughs> this is a this is a first. Um, <laughs> make it a last. <laughs> make it a last time too. Thank you. Now above ground and grateful. Dickie was flown by helicopter to a nearby hospital in Turkey where he's in intensive care this morning. But as you saw in that social media post, guys, he was well enough to once again thank the Turkish government and the international caving community for saving his life with a big, big smile on his face today. <laughs> oh, guys. yeah, he does have a great big smile. Kelly, thank you so much. Joining us now is a guy with another big smile, Carl Heitmeyer. He's one of Mark's friends. He's also a family spokesperson. He helped oversee the rescue response as a member of the New Jersey initial response team. Hey, Carl, so good to see you. Wow. I mean, the fact that Mark got out and he's A-OK, you were overseeing this rescue. What were the most difficult parts of trying to get him out of there? Um, thank you for your concern. It's great to be here. Uh, I wasn't actually overseeing the rescue, yeah. right? There was, uh, but I was uh, doing a lot with communication back and forth. Sure. And it was great to see him finally get out because it was, it was very dire in the early days. Can this you, rescue. So, I mean, I think for those of us who are not in the caving community yeah. as you are, I mean, it's incredibly dangerous under the best of circumstances. Can you give us sort of a picture of what was involved in, in achieving this rescue? Well, I think now there's some, some great videos, and you can see that there's no flat spots to walk on, no flat surfaces. The mud like it's a and the vertical rock, drop? Uh, much of it's vertical. But even the spaces that you walk through, what we call you just cave through, mm -hmm. um, it's still more of a climbing, scrambling um, up and down over rocks, mm. um, sometimes with slanted surfaces. Um, and then sometimes squirming through crawls, pushing through belly, mm. belly tight crawls like mm. this or through a channel or canyon like that. Mm -hmm. um, and although cavers can move through there, when you put them in a stretcher, it becomes so bulky and rigid it can't bend. Mm -hmm. That's why it gets so much more complicated when it turns into a rescue. Carl, let me ask you a, a simple, perhaps even maybe stupid question. What What is it ab about caving? What is it about being that far underground that, that's just, that's even appealing to you? I think you're on the right track. You're curious. <laughs> that's what we are. We're curious. We look at the hole in the ground and it's like, oh, I wonder what's down there. <laughs> you get down there a little bit and like, I can fit through that. You can squeeze through <laughs> there. Unless you get stuck. Hey, look at this. Yeah. Uh, 
And um, we don't know where it goes. Yeah. And caving is one of those activities, especially on the level that uh, Mark is at, where he's gone, where no man has gone before. Yeah. Very few places like that still on the face of the planet where somebody over the eons hasn't walked. Do you think he'll do it again? You think Mark will keep caving after this? I hope his mom's not watching, but <laughs> I would bet on it. Uh, <laughs> right. well, Thank it's you, so Carl. nice yeah. to have you here, Carl. Thanks, you Carl. let us into what it's like. I mean, it, it, this is incredible. And the caving community really yeah. came together very to cool. help this rescue. Thank you very Thanks, much. Carl. Okay. Thank you. Still ahead, an exclusive first look at a new ride-sharing feature. Could bring an important change to that industry. First, though, with cases creeping up once again, what you need to know about those new COVID shots just approved by the FDA. We'll have that for you right after this. Welcome back this morning on In-Depth. Today, we're taking a closer look at the new COVID shots now approved by the FDA. The CDC is expected to give them a green light, and that's going to happen today. Yeah, and that news comes as COVID hospitalizations nationwide are ticking a little higher, up nearly 9% from the prior week, but still still far below the numbers we saw this time last year and in 2021. Well, joining us now, Dr. Ashish Jha, the former White House COVID response coordinator, now once again, the dean of Brown University's School of Public Health. Dr. Jha, you had your Jha. tour of duty in Washington. But here we are talking about what some people are calling a COVID booster. But this is a new shot. Tell us about this new one and what it responds to. Which Is it for, is it for a particular variant? Is it for the original COVID? Yeah. Why do we need to get it? Yeah. So first of all, thrilled to be back. Um, look, Every year, we update our flu vaccine to match the flu strain that's circulating. We're starting to do the same thing with COVID shots now. So there are new strains of COVID that are circulating, and you need a new shot once a year. I don't call it a booster because, you know, it's just your annual COVID shot at this point. And most people should go out and get their annual COVID shot uh, the way they get their annual flu shot. And it's ma- it matches the strains that are circulating out there right now. Okay, so we should be getting that shot. Now, you said with the flu shot, a lot of people are about to get their flu shot. Is it a good idea to get both of those shots together? It is. I got both of them last year together. Totally safe to do that. It works just as well to do that. It's obviously much more convenient. Uh, you can get them in the same arm. You can get them in different arms. It doesn't matter. But you can definitely get them at the same you time. You make a good point. We don't call it a flu booster nope. shot. We just call it our flu, flu vaccine. Shot. Yeah, your That's annual flu point. shot. Yeah. And so it's time for your annual COVID shot. Mm-hmm. Get them together. It makes the fall, the winter, the holidays, just much safer, much better for everybody. The hospitalization numbers that we've seen tick up from the prior week, Dr. Yeah. Jha, to what do we attribute that? Is just this like a return to, to work after Labor Day? Is it more to it than that? Yeah, look, COVID is going to be with us, right, forever, just the way flu is with us. And the question is, how do you manage it? Um, with COVID, we're probably going to see a couple of these little waves a year where it's going to go up, it's going to go down. They usually happen during the winter. We get one usually during the summer. This is just sort of that late summer COVID wave. We've seen it each of the last couple of summers. We're seeing it again. I'm hoping it's going to turn around. It's going to peak and start coming back down. Um, this is a reality, and we can manage our way through it just keeping up on the vaccines. Dr. John, make your big pitch here, okay? I mean, because a lot of folks, okay, if you're immunocompromised, mm-hmm. if you're elderly, you know, you want to stay on top of your COVID shots. Other folks who are like, I'm reasonably healthy, I'm yeah. young, do I really need to do it? Or, you know, yeah, I've had COVID, COVID three yep. times and I've had all the shots. Yep. What's your pitch? Yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, if you get COVID after getting vaccinated, it's going to be much milder. Mm-hmm. You're less likely to miss work. You're less likely to miss school. Second, you're less likely to spread it to others. So maybe you're not high risk. 
Maybe grandma is. Mm-hmm. If you've gotten the COVID shot, you're less likely to spread it to her. That mm-hmm. makes a really big difference. And then, you know, some people go on to develop long COVID where they can have long-term complications. That gets reduced a lot by getting vaccinated, too. Free, widely available. To me, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Dr. Ja, yeah. thank you. Thanks so much. How do you like being on the outside, Dr. Ja? Uh-huh. It's great. <laughs> Service was great. Yeah. Love serving the country, but happy to be home. It's yeah. good to see you. Good. Thank good you. Shifting gears. Let's head back over to Dylan. She's in for Al this morning. How are we looking, Dee? Well, we are going to see another round of storms for the interior northeast today. This is a cold front. You can see we've got some of those storms, not so severe, but still some pockets of heavier rain approaching Columbus, Ohio, stretching back down into Arkansas, too. Again, this is the cold front that's going to help reduce all that humidity, all that moisture in the air. So as this cold front sparks those storms, we're not looking at a risk of, you know, very severe weather, but we could see those torrential downpours. And keep in mind, areas like Worcester, Massachusetts, yesterday picked up nine and a half inches of rain. So the ground is totally saturated because of yesterday's downpours. So any additional rain tonight into early tomorrow morning could create that flooding risk because there's so much moisture in the air and those downpours produce about one to two inches of rain per hour. Once this cold front clears the area, though, we will start to see much more comfortable, more fall-like feel to the air without that humidity and temperatures back down into the 70s. But we could see before that all happens, an additional one to three inches of rain with some isolated high amounts if you get stuck in those heavier downpours. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Deli Deli, thank you. All right, just ahead, we have a pop star update on a potential NSYNC reunion. Could it be happening tonight? Okay. Uh, Also, Oscar winner and new children's book author, Matthew McConaughey, stopping by live. 